proper training, you could be a powerful warrior. You have a natural ability, but we must hone it. Are you up for the challenge of putting your hate to better use? Yes, Master. It's time for Send in the Clones! Join your hosts, Buto and Robbie, on an epic journey through a galaxy far, far away as they follow the escapades of Anakin Skywalker and the Jedi Knights with the clone army of the Republic in their struggle against Count Dooku and the droid army of the evil Separatists. So step in and prepare for adventure because it's time to send in the clones! In this episode, Count Dooku trains his powerful new apprentice Savage Press, while Anakin and Obi-Wan travel to Dathomir. But Savage is wild at heart and also a secret assassin sent to help Ventress kill Dooku, who must fight for his life while Anakin and Obi-Wan tangle with Ventress once again. Hey, Chips, it's your old buddy Bucho on my first ever watch of the Clone Wars, and next to me in the dropship on his third ever watch of the Clone Wars, he's the Dooku to my Savage. It's your trusty pal, Robbie. How's it going? And we are going to talk about the 58th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology. It's Season 3, Episode 14, Witches in the Mist. No, Witches of the Mist. So, Robbie, how about we roll out with you letting us know what you remembered about this episode before you rewatched it again this week? Well, this one's one of those that I was looking forward to. I couldn't remember exactly how everything played out, but I knew I was going to have a good time. That's pretty much what I remembered from this episode. But there's a lot in this episode, a lot more than I remembered. For some reason, I don't know, maybe it's the ones that a lot of the storyline is is in one episode. I feel like they're like two or three episodes. I don't know how to explain that, but this one's definitely a fun one. Well, in the last episode, of course, I mentioned, you know, I don't like to be negative about these episodes unfortunately this time i don't have to because this episode (laughs) was really good robbie really enjoyed this one a lot more than the previous one this was back up to that maybe not quite the night sisters level i mean i don't want to give it all the way at the start but a ton of fun really enjoyable and one of the things this episode did i thought even better than night sisters was the obi-wan and anakin banter i dig night sisters a little bit for the banter not really clicking for me but it worked a lot better in this episode the charm was back in their bickering and it's just one of those odd little things where I can't put my finger on why, especially since this is another Katie Lucas, Giancarlo Volpe team up just like Nice Sisters, so the same team. So why, I mean, why would it work for me in one episode and why not the other? Maybe it's me. Maybe I was the problem in Night Sisters and maybe I should have given Night Sisters a 10 because it was, you know, maybe it was a me thing. But anyway, things like when Anakin replies... You know, you never know. I tend to be pretty popular with the ladies when Obi-Wan warns not to expect a warm welcome from the witches. That just landed for me. And I was back to having fun watching these two brothers doing their thing. And there was another bit that was less playful banter and a lot more pointed and also worked really well. Even if maybe it was supposed to be ironically funny and a dark humor was when Obi-Wan says... Dooku sent his assassin to exact his revenge on the Toydarians. And what does Anakin say? Anakin says, we'll make him pay for it. <laughs> so here's everyone saying revenge is bad. He sent his assassin, revenge is no good. Anakin says, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll make him pay for it. I just thought it was a great, I mean, a great balance between it being a fun line, kind of humorous, but also completely in tune with Anakin's character. So how did you like this Anakin and Obi-Wan stuff in this episode, Robbie? I mean, it's great stuff. I mean, as you said, there's... There's so much to like about this episode. There's a a playfulness to the way that they interact that's just a lot of fun. I mean, I think it's played up a little bit, especially like from the movies, because it's almost like it's like if they're together, there's going to be some witty banter back and forth. I mean, it's just going to happen. 
And in some of those dangerous situations, you're like, okay, you know, do you really need to be joking that much? But still, it's so enjoyable. It's so much fun that it's kind of hard to give them any any bad marks on them. And another, I mean, <laughs> I'm going to leave poor old monster alone after this, but I did think it was also a little bit maybe unintentionally funny about how when Obi-Wan tells Anakin that the men from the village are ferocious warriors, and it kind of felt like Obi-Wan didn't know what he was talking about, given how useless the warriors had been in the previous episode. I mean, I don't know if that was supposed to strike me as funny as it was, but it, it kind of did. It was just a... One last little shot at Monster. I'm sorry, Monster. I'm going to quit being mean to Monster now because <laughs> I know uh, you enjoyed it and I'm sure other people did too. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's basically, it's all about sheer numbers. That's the only reason they have any kind of issue is just because there's so many of them. And they're also attempting not to kill them or to harm them in any way. Sure. You know, they're just... And to be fair, he just says that they're ferocious. Right. He doesn't say they're competent, right? And they are pretty ferocious. Like, whatever you can ding them for... They fight with a bunch of ferociousness, or ferocity as I believe we call it in basic. (laughs) And speaking of ferocity, Roby, Savage, the taming of Savage. And in this episode we see, for the first time as far as I can remember, the Sith equivalent of Yoda training Luke on Dagobah. Even to the point Savage tells Dooku at one point, What you ask is impossible. When his master asks him to force lift some stuff, you know, very reminiscent of Yoda and Luke on Dagobah. But I I don't remember Yoda using quite as much Sith lightning as Dooku. I mean, I haven't seen Empire for a little while. Do you remember that being... There wasn't quite as much Sith lightning on Dagobah, was there, Robbie? I mean, he was just choking Luke back and forth on (laughs) on Dagobah, hitting him up against trees and all kinds of stuff. No, I mean, it's it was really kind of cool to see because, you know, we'd heard of all these... You know, the Sith and, and all this stuff, but we never see their training. Yeah. So, yeah, it was really it was really neat to see sort of the juxtaposition of the differences between the way the Sith do things and the way that the Jedi do things. It's one of the things that I've always wondered, too, is and maybe this is in some of the uh, either the legend stuff or, or maybe in some of the comics that have that are or books that have recently come out. But I think it would be interesting to see, like, was Dooku pretty rough? Even as a Jedi? Right. You know what I mean? Because some of the Jedi are more unrefined, right? I mean, we just met uh, Quinlan Voss recently, and he seems barely a Jedi at all in some ways. Yeah. And I mean, it would have been interesting to see Dooku training Qui-Gon back in the day right. or something, yeah. you know? I mean, again, it's one of those things where, you know, sometimes knowing all of the the backstory, you know, is, is maybe a bit too much, but... I think it would have been interesting to see the differences between the way he trained Qui-Gon and the way he trains Savage. Or it could just be that he sees Savage as a tool and that's all it is. But I don't I don't suspect that. I think that's just the way that the Sith train. Because they have to harness their hatred in order to be powerful. Yeah, it's another one of those things where you think, man, I would have loved to see Dooku train someone else. Maybe even when he trains Ventress, you know, how would someone like Ventress have handled this as opposed to, a, I guess, kind of an empty vessel type of character like Savage? And while I've kind of dinged Savage for not being a very interesting as a character, he's still, as we saw in the previous episode, insanely formidable, insanely competent at killing. And so when Dooku tells Savage to go after King Katunku, I'm legit scared for my main man, King Katunku. I love that Toydarian monarch. We've talked about this. We haven't talked about him for a while, but you know I love that Toydarian monarch. And here's where I almost forgive the previous episode for some of those missteps because for all his flaws it did really establish that Savage is a very very effective weapon once unleashed on Republic forces and I mean I can't remember if I actually out loud said no not King Katunko <laughs> but that's what I was thinking because 
you know, I don't want this guy anywhere near King Katunko. And then, of course, Savas lives up to his name and he devastates me by taking out His Majesty King Katunko. Not only that, he treats the king's body so cavalierly, like so rudely, as if the mighty king was just a sack of meat and bones and not the mighty King Katunko. And that was super, super effective. The brutality that they show is in Savage at this point. The fact that he's done this to to this king, and even all the way up to the end, I was thinking he can't. He's not all the way dead. Even though we saw the, we heard the crack, we saw what happened. <laughs> all the way up to the end, I'm thinking he's gonna wake up, right? Or they're gonna find a way to bring him back? But it turns out no, they don't. And then here's maybe even the most interesting part of the whole thing: Dooku reprimands Savage, Force Lightning style, as this is as this is want. And he tells Savage it's not the way of the dark side to kill, I guess, a king. Is that what he's saying? How did you take Dooku telling Savage that he had done the wrong thing by killing King Kutunku? You know, I didn't actually note that down, but that is a really interesting thing because I'm not exactly sure what he meant by that. Because it is, it does seem to go a little bit outside the what we know about the dark side. I mean, isn't that kind of... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, isn't that like exactly what the dark side is? But, I mean, I think maybe he was just trying to say that this is not the... I don't I don't know. I, I feel like I, I'd be putting words in the character's mouth, but it almost seemed like, no, you misunderstood the, your, your mission. This is not the way. You know what I mean? It just didn't seem to make sense to me that, I mean, in a, in a pure form, Savage is a tool. And yeah, he, he's... I mean, he definitely uh, went a bit too far, but he just, it's like kind of that sort of situation, almost like the Hulk situation where he just got out of hand, right? you know, and he just, he just lost control. And maybe that's what it is, is that Sith is power with control. Maybe that's what he's trying to say. Yeah. It's not just supposed to be unrefined power. It's supposed to be refined to some extent. And Savage was just a beast, an animal, and his Brutal as the Sith can be, they're not supposed to be completely animalistic like that. I guess that's what he was saying. I don't know. I just found that really an interesting point. And I also want to be clear, I'm not dinging the episode for not making that clear. I really enjoyed hearing Dooku's take on that. It was something that I hadn't thought of it from that angle before. And yeah, I thought that was a sweet moment. And speaking of sweet moments, Robbie, unlike Night Sisters, we don't get any space dogfights in this episode, but we get a whole bunch of of a lightsaber on lightsaber action. We get five whole force-powered folks in this episode. And they throw down in a whole bunch of different various combinations. The first one, Ventress turns up, teams up with Savage, they go up against Dooku. Savage turns on Ventress, then it's 1v1v1. And then Obi-Wan and Anakin, they're like, those bad guys don't get to have all the fun. They get up there and they get beat the heck up by Savage. I mean, that scene where they just run in, right? We'll take them together. You don't even see what happens. You just see them come flying back out of that corridor. And meanwhile, Ventress is trying her luck against Dooku. And I can't think of another episode where we've seen so many lightsaber versus lightsaber scraps in a single episode. And I didn't time it. I'm guessing this all happened in about five or six minutes. These, what are there, four different combinations of duels? Or I guess a duel is one-on-one. And here we get a one-on-one-on-one at least. But I mean... It's, it got me so hot and bothered I can't even am I even talking English anymore Robbie do you want to how about you take it over and talk about how uh, excellent these lightsaber scraps are 
Yeah, I mean, they're they're a lot of fun. I mean, I think the biggest, I mean, there's really two of the really big ones, is the fact that Savage seems to wake up, and it's almost like he gets a bit of his personality back, and I don't know if it's being continually shocked right. by yeah. uh, with the Sith Lightning or what it is, but... It seems to be triggered by Ventress turning on him, right? He When he's getting hammered by Dooku all those times, you think in the back of his mind he's thinking, okay... But part of my mission is that this is a guy I'm eventually going to kill. I've just got to ride this out. But when Ventress also turns on him, he's like, wait a minute. You're the reason that I'm doing this. You're the one who's supposed to be on my side. And so the way that I read it was that at that point, he realized, wait, no one's on my side. It's me against the world. Yeah. And I mean, it's sort of, I guess, you know, to to your point uh, in the last episode, I think it makes a lot of sense that he's almost like he's become like the Frankenstein monster where right. he sort of he feels like he doesn't have any anywhere to go. So, I mean, it's I, I like that. It's just another dynamic and, and introduces like this very, very dangerous character into the into the mix. And that, you know, who knows what chaos this guy's going to bring. So it, it is very, very interesting to see. Yeah, I I mean, I gave all of those lightsaber like, <laughs> fights 10 out of 10. I'm not giving away my episode full rating, but that was just a ton of fun watching all those different lightsaber fights. And of course, from that scene, we go on to Anakin and Obi-Wan being left behind on the ship after Savage has taken off and hasn't Ventress taken off and Dooku, they've mm-hmm. all made their escape. And it's been a while since we had a good serving of Roger Droid humor, and we get some in this episode, including Anakin throwing one of these hapless clankers at Savage at one point and also after Savage makes his escape one of the Rogers approaches Anakin and Obi-Wan with a you're not supposed to be here and he's not even reprimanding it it's almost as if he's confused right wait a minute who are you guys they're not (laughs) he's not coming up with his gun up saying you know drop your weapons he's just confused and so after seeing my main man King Kutunko go down so hard I really needed some of those good old battle droid gags to lighten my mood and it was welcome yeah I mean it's such a strange episode because, like I said, it feels like so much happens. I mean, we get Savage being trained. We get him going on a mission and him pretty much screwing up the mission, you know, by by actually killing his uh, his goal. God, it hurts just to be reminded about that, Robbie. Then Ventress shows up. I mean, I mean, you just... All of the... I mean, there's just so much that happens that it's just hard to unpack it all. It's just so much. And of course, that's not all, Robbie, because at the end, Mother Telzin reveals a face to Savage who is very familiar to us and is apparently one of Savage's long-lost brothers. Although for those of us rookies who are on this Clone Wars mission for the first time here in 2019 in a post-Solo world, there's no shock. Seeing Darth Maul turn up in the Clone Wars, but for you veterans who first saw this in early 2011, your worlds must have been flipped turned upside down, Robbie. Well, it was definitely a shock because it was like it almost felt like Savage was an answer, you know, to the I guess the fan outcry right. that they shouldn't have killed Darth Maul off so fast and blah blah blah. Yep. And so we thought that this was going to be the next best thing, you know, is having you know someone that who's like his brother, and I mean he's even got a double bladed lightsaber. I mean, yeah. there's, there's a lot to see there and then to see the face of Darth Maul in that crystal ball I guess you could say I mean that's basically what it is yeah I mean it was uh that was something else that was something to see and it was something to experience in the in kind of the fandom was was just like what what are they doing how is this happening he you know so if you really think about it you know the the whole idea of of any character really coming back at some point 
there's always a chance. Right. You know, I mean, I mean, if they can bring Darth Maul back, even King Katunka, right, Robbie? That's not exactly, but yeah, uh, I mean, uh, pretty much any character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fun. It's funny to hear you talk about that angle. I hadn't sort of thought about it, but as you're watching this episode and the previous episodes, it would have been, you know, I, I really get that people would have been thinking, well, you know, Maul might not be around anymore but at least we get Savage and you know it looks like if anything they're making him even bigger and better he's this right. hulking like a super powered unit of a character yeah. right yeah super powered version of Maul but at the end of the episode it's like they say you know what not only are you getting this other version of Maul guess what here's Maul he's around too yeah I can't imagine what it would have been like at the time and like I say now I mean especially if you've watched Solo you know that it wasn't the end for Maul when he went down that shaft after Obi-Wan bisected him but yeah just an amazing <laughs> to be clear it was I didn't know he was going to turn up in this episode either I mean I guess that he could turn up at some point but it was a, even a bit of a surprise to me to see him and so that's an interesting shot when we see that face revealed in that crystal ball but speaking of interesting shots Robbie what was your favorite shot of Witches of the Mist well mine is uh, it's a pretty simple one but it's one that I don't remember ever being done quite this way. It's when Obi-Wan and Anakin arrive on Dathomir. That ship is almost entirely in the center, and it goes completely, I mean, perpendicular to the bottom of the screen, and then almost directly into a perfect circle of Dathomir. Right. And just the symmetry of it yeah. was just so beautiful that I that had to be my shot of the episode. Well, Robbie, this is... Incredible, because when Dooku is sending Savage off to Toydaria, there's also, speaking of symmetrical, there's a quite wonderful, nearly symmetrical shot, and it's a close-up of Dooku's head, slightly to the left of the center of the frame, and the Castle Sereno in the background, slightly to the right of the center of the frame, and it's almost the same size in the frame as Dooku's head, and it's almost the same shape as Dooku's head. And this was not just my favorite shot of this episode it's maybe one of my favorite shots of the entire series so far just for how deftly it balances a sense of playfulness and humor kind of almost making fun of the shape of Dooku's head this long head that we've admired so much right all the way going back to at least Dooku captured when I think we first talked about the design of this character how he's got this almost rectangular or I guess cylindrical head it's so he's so good to look at and then we see it right next to his castle, and his castle is just about the same shape as his head. But as well as that playfulness, it also helps to project his power. Like, this is a super formidable dude. If you've got a house like that, Robbie, you're maybe not to be messed with <laughs> in other ways, you know? I mean, he's not just a dude who has the force at his disposal. He has a ton of resources. And I just love the way it balanced that sense of playfulness with a sense of legit menace and foreboding. How did you like that shot, Robbie? That was pretty cool. I mean, there's there's a lot of shots like that, though. There's a symmetry in the episode that I really kind of like. And I don't know if it's uh, sort of like a like a trope. You know what I mean? Like if it's supposed to mean something in the bigger picture of, uh, in regards to the story. But I did, I did enjoy it. Well, let's talk about what we learned, Robbie. What was the main lesson or lessons you took away from Witches of the Mist? I'm sure it's pretty simple. But if you hear some tumultuous things going outside you know going on outside the door don't get so close to the door is all i'm gonna say (laughs) just don't get so close to the door i'm speaking of course about the tordarians and and how they get smashed repeatedly by flying doors or 
well, Savage Press. Yeah, now I'm sad again, Robbie. <laughs> Sorry. Why did you have to remind me <laughs> of that? I mean, I don't even, I mean, it's not even, there's no lesson. I'm not taking any lessons away from this tragic, <laughs> tragic episode. I think we should just get to our summary and rating, Robbie. Where does Witches of the Mist sit on that four-star Robbie scale? For me, this one's, this one's one of those episodes that's, uh, you know, especially if you've seen it more than once, this is one that you're looking forward to. I and mean, there's a lot that happens in this episode. I mean, from Maul to, I mean, gosh, we, we didn't even speak about the, the beginning shot, the Republic Commandos. You know, yeah. arriving with the bodies of the the fallen Jedi's, and you know, in the rain, no less. I mean, this is like the first time we've seen actual rain in the whole series, and it was like a big deal for the for the production to do that. A bit. It was the first time that we really had that kind of element brought into into the story. I mean, love the way the Republic commandos look, and I mean, we even get to see. You know, Dooku threatened Savage with the same crisscross lightsabers technique yeah. that actually ends up right. killing him down the road. I mean, it's so awesome. There's so much to enjoy about this one. So for me, this one's going to be, I'm going to give it a 3.6 Boom. out of 4. That's pretty strong, Robbie. And I'm not going to mess around. This is another 9 out of 10. This is just absolute top notch. Maybe... If, maybe I've got to start doing decimals because it's not it's better than an 8 it's not quite a 10 but it's also not quite as good as Night Sisters I mean technically I guess Night Sisters is my 9.5 episode but I mean math aside Witches of the Mist is just I was completely down for it completely stoked to get this episode after I was maybe a little bit underwhelmed by a monster but that's mission why did I bring up Monster again, Robbie? I'm not trying to finish on a downer. Let's say Witches of the Mist. Yeah, brilliant. Really enjoyed the heck out of it. And that's Mission Accomplished for Season 3, Episode 14, Witches of the Mist. So, Robbie, won't you please let the troops out there know what are our communications channels? Of course. We are Bucho and Rami at Gmail, Twitter, and Instagram. That's B-U-C-H-O-A-N-D-R-O-B-B-Y. Yes, sir. And of course, the troops can join us again next time for the 59th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars Chronology. It's Season 3, Episode 15, Overlords. And until then, this is your old buddy, Bucho, alongside your trusty pal, Robbie, and we are out. Remember, you can support Sending the Clothes for free simply by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes or any other podcast platform, and Butcho and Robbie will read the review on a future feedback episode. And speaking of feedback episodes, you can also send either a text or an audio message of 60 seconds or less to Butcho and Robbie at gmail.com. The force will be with you.